It's that time of the week again. It's flat out RC time. Welcome back to the podcast where we talk all things radio control flight. We're talking radio control planes, helis and drones. My name's Andrew Sewell coming to you from the land down under in Melbourne, Australia. And a big warm welcome to everybody, no matter whether you're here in Australia or abroad. Another good episode coming up. We have special guest. Every week, every week we have a special guest. I think we're one of the only... Oh, Flat Out RC is one of the only aero modeling podcasts where it's guest based. Normally, there's a lot of other podcasts around that you've got a bunch of mates having chit chats, which which can be good. Um, so I'm not knocking them, but I'm just doing something uh, a bit different that I enjoy doing, which is interviewing and talking to people that are involved in aero modeling. So that's what you're going to experience if you're a new time listener here. Uh, this week's guest is Kevin Chislett, a longtime aero modeler, born into it. Uh, so not only into flying and that kind of thing, but also runs a little business called Hulk RC, doing laser cut kits and other bits and bobs. So we'll be catching up with Kevin very shortly. But before we do, don't forget to subscribe to the Flat Out RC podcast and the Facebook and the Instagram and the YouTube uh, so you don't miss out on anything. But let's have a look at what's been on my mind. Well, here in Australia, we're just coming off, rolling off the summer period into our autumn or fall period, as you call it in the US. And in the Northern Hemisphere, you're, you're rolling off the cold, cold winter months and coming into spring and things will uh, start to warm up and the snow will melt and we'll all be back at the fields. And, and that, to me, in both those phases, tells me that events are coming. It's event season. Uh, we've got here in Australia, there's plenty of events happening. We've got the Wang Jets event coming up in that uh the first weekend of April, March into April, uh, and then we've got the Festival of Aero Modelling um, that's coming up uh, Casino, Northern New South Wales towards end of end of March, early April, I believe. I've got to, I've got to confirm all these dates. Pretty bad. I'm talking about events when I don't know when they're going to be held. Uh, we've got competitions running, Pattern IMAX up and running, Scale events are running, Glider events are running, and uh, if you've been listening to this podcast for a while, you probably know how much I love events and and this message goes out to anybody that hasn't attended an event, an aero modeling event before, that you just got to get involved. And there's a couple of reasons why. Firstly, uh, it makes you a better aero modeler. You learn a lot more by getting out of your comfort zone, interacting with different people who've got different skill sets, different knowledge. Uh, and so that can really help you become an aero modeler. You know, if you've got any questions, go to an event, someone's got probably got an answer or a different opinion that you can consider. Uh, of course, it's fun. You get to meet a lot of different people. Uh, it broadens your network of friends, really. Uh, you'll always meet someone that you'll like at an event and, uh, and look forward to seeing them when you go to that event again because sometimes, you know, these events aren't always in our backyard. We need to travel a bit, so that means we can't see those people every, every week. But uh, it just really adds to that extra level of enjoyment in the hobby when you do that. It also helps in motivating you. You go to an event, you'll see some wonderful era, uh, uh, models. You know, that's uh, I always say to people, if you're going to go to an event, take your best planes. That's what we get there for because people enjoy that. And some people think, oh, it's showing off. It's not showing off. We all love seeing nice planes, whether we own them ourselves or somebody else owns them. We all always appreciate it. You know, and, you know, if you've been to an event, you know that one, you know, big turbine jet or turbine heli or you know, you name it, anything that's sort of big and a bit special, everyone will down their transmitter to watch that flight. Think about that. That's a great thing when everybody can just focus on one thing and look forward to seeing the plane take to the skies. 
Uh, you know, I was a member of a club once that they were very, very insular. The members never went out, um, never visited other clubs, other events. And so the knowledge pool within the club was becoming sort of diluted. It was really not that great. And, you know, people weren't progressing with their models or their flying because they just didn't know what else was out there. So get on out there to the club. I've got to, I'm going to have a couple of people on talking about some of the big events that are coming up um, in the coming months. So stay tuned, but just get involved. Whether it's a competition or a fun fly, dust off your best plane and just get out to it and, and, and get involved in them because I guarantee you, you'll love them. Well, my favourite time of the podcast, that is guest time. And this week we have a special guest by the name of Kevin Chislett. Now, the Chislett name is a known name down where I live here in uh, in the state of Victoria in Australia uh, because of Ivan Chislett. Ivan Chislett's been a long-time administrator involved in various different levels from the MAAA all the way down to local VMAA and then at the uh, Pakenham and Districts Era Modelers Club where I am a member. Uh, and uh, Kevin is Ivan's son. And Kevin has been basically born into the hobby, as he will tell us. Uh, but an interesting thing is that he's now um, been quite involved in sort of the industry side in, in um, a business called Hulk RC, um, which is sort of formed out of another business called SC Models that Kevin was involved in. Uh, and um, so doing a whole bunch of laser cut kits and a whole bunch of other stuff, which we're going to find out about. Uh, stay tuned because at the very end, I'm going to tell you about a special offer that uh, Kevin has got for us. So wait till we get to the end and I'll tell you what that offer is. But uh, let's just say there is a discount offer coming on Hulk RC. So wait till the end and we'll, uh, we'll give it a bit of a plug. So over to my chat with Kevin Chislett. We are back talking building, I think. We've got a bit of a builder with us today. Kevin Chislett, thanks for joining me. No worries. Thanks for having me, Andrew. Well, Kevin, we've got we've got a lot of ground to cover. Um, you know, we'll talk a bit about uh, your history in the hobby to to position yourself, and then we'll talk a bit about your business, Hulk RC. And mind you, you're not paying for this, are you, Kevin? I didn't ask, no, not at all. ask you to pay me to to talk about your business, but I enjoy enjoy supporting the Aussie Aussie industry. So, um, where did your journey in aero modelling begin? Uh, it's fair to say I've been doing this my entire life. Um, Dad, there's a famous photo of me circulating somewhere where Dad's changing my nappy on the front of a car out at the old Danny Knox Radio Club out on Ordish Road. I think I was about six months old in the photo or something, so I've been going out for a very long time. Well, your dad, Ivan, Ivan Chislett is a well-known name, especially in the Victorian flying scene and especially in administration. He's always been involved in the administration side of the hobby for as well, so he's done a lot of good. So you had no choice, didn't you? You, you know, you were you were there at a young age. But I'm always fascinated because there's some kids that get introduced to it through their through their parents, uh, but it doesn't stick. But obviously, it stuck with you. So how did that progress? You know, from being in nappies into getting your hands on a transmitter. Yeah, it was just the sort of thing that we always did on a Saturday. It was get up, go flying. Um, from as long as I can remember, it was just something that. I've always, I always loved planes, probably passed down through the genes from dad. Um, and yeah, it was just something that we always did and, or, and I always loved to do. And it was always like, well, why can't we go flying? It doesn't matter that it's windy, let's just go. So yeah, it was just our Saturday outing until sport took over there for a while. Yeah. So, so what was your first plane that you flew? 
Uh, it was a, I think it was a Fox Foam Glider with a o, Cox 049 on it. Oh, really? What year would, yeah. would this have been? Oh, about 1980, probably four, I reckon, around then. Okay. How old were you back then? About three. Three? Oh, I was waiting for like eight or something like that. Yeah, um, well, I was solo at six. Yeah. Um, And there was an old hobby shop that blokes called Chris and Danny used to own in Daniel, I think it was, and that's where I got my first trainer from. I flew that for years and years and years until – Eventually, it went off the air and died a horrible death. <laughs> Did you love going to a hobby shop back in those days? Yeah, it was just like a, opening a can of worms, wasn't it? Yeah. Like, look, look what's available. But you know, it was a different, it was a different sort of world back then. There was no ARFs. It was all whatever you built, you had to go and fly. You had to go home and build, and then risk it on the first flight. And the radios weren't like they were today. It was. I mean, I remember there was one where we, we rode off, I think, four planes in a weekend because there was a dry joint in one of our transmitters that we never knew about. Oh, gee. See, I always get fascinated because now our gear is so reliable and that yeah. back then the the commitment to the hobby would have to have been far greater than what it is nowadays because I doubt whether many, you know, many of the people get into the hobby sort of in this era, we just – no reliability but would they have survived if they had to you know deal with the build fix cycle yeah it was sort of like you know you spent six months to a year building a plane and then hope that it flies where nowadays you can just walk into a hobby shop pick up an arf know that it's going to fly really well and out you go it flies perfect straight out of the box and when it came to the flying so you know you fly a little train around all that kind of stuff did you did you find an avenue that you really enjoyed? Like, you know, were you into a bit of everything or aerobatics or, or what was it? Uh, I, I like scale because I think it's good to uh, try and mimic what the full-size scale plane did. But as I get old, I'm a master of nothing, uh, but I like to try everything, if that makes sense. Um, so I have a bit of – I have a few planes of everything really now. Um, and I've actually just finished designing a pattern ship for myself. So oh, really? it was something that I was like, one thing that I'd, I'd only ever flown Andrew Bergdorf's pattern ship once for a few circuits and was like, oh, this thing flies awesome. And over COVID, it was, gave myself a, a, a goal to design a pattern ship. So I've just designed that and just finished building the fuzz. So we'll see how that goes. Pattern ships are great, those. I always say that it's a bit like cheating because they fly so well. I yeah. Look, I look good when I fly a pattern plane. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, yeah. It's better so than a gyro. Yeah, we'll see how this one goes. So knowing absolutely nothing about pattern ships other than looking at photos and what the guys out at the field fly, that's about my entire knowledge of pattern ships. So yeah. we'll see how it goes. Well, did you get into building at an early age? Yeah, well, we sort of had really no choice. So as long as I can remember, I've been building and designing and modifying kits. So it's just something that there's not too many kits that I've ever built as per the plan, there's always been a few modifications in there or, yeah, some improvements that I think are improvements to the plane as we as I was building it going along. Yeah, okay. So, so you obviously flew a lot when you were young. Yeah, every weekend and as much as I could down the park with all the foamies. I mean, it was amazing when the, I remember when the first foamy came out. It was like a breakthrough in modelling, you know, like, 
it was they were they were so expensive when they first came out compared to what they are now. It's you know anyone can afford it now. It's great. That's the thing. I you know we've covered this a fair bit. You know that I remember as a child in the eighties looking at you know going to the hobby shop and going, oh, that's so expensive that transmitter and that kind of stuff. Yeah. And now it's become a lot more affordable. The price has gone up a little bit. Exchange rate hasn't been on our side, but but no. um. But yeah, it's um, definitely a lot more affordable and a lot, lot more. Well, it's easier really to get into than, than ever. But and so then, fast forward into your teenage years, did you keep the rage up then, or did you rebel and go and kick the footy around, or do what? No, yeah, did a bit of that, but play um, played a lot of tennis and footy and stuff like that on the weekends. Played heaps of tennis on Saturday and Sunday, but would always find time to go for a fly. Yeah. So it was something that was always there, and yeah. It was interesting. The earlier you said that uh, didn't matter what the uh, the wind was doing; you'd always turn up. Uh, yeah, it think, does, still does. <laughs> yeah, it's funny how um, a lot of us get pretty soft. We look at the weather forecast and go, "Oh no, it's going to be too windy." It's got too. Yeah, windy. I remember turning up in the rain and like you'd wait, and there might be like a five minute break, and you'd race out of the car, start the plane, go for a quick burn. All of a sudden, it'd start raining. Land quickly, chuck everything back in the car, wait for the next clearing. Gee. Oh, yeah, a bit different now. Do you look fondly back on those days? Yeah, it was good. It was great fun. And there seemed to be like there was a lot, it seemed to be like there was more than ever people out at the club. Um, and it was, yeah, it was just a great environment. Everyone was super keen and, yeah, it was good where now everyone's more than happy just to sit out there and have a chat and not really do a hell of a lot of flying um, and just, yeah, sit there and chat and get one or two flights for the day. Okay, so then as you go through your teenage years, uh, this is the scary question because, you know, I never know which way it's going to go. But did you take a break due to girls and cars and things like that? No, no, I've never I've never really taken a break from flying. It's sort of been there all the time. There's been like, you know, weekends and stuff where obviously I wouldn't go, but there hasn't been an extended period until recently. Um that I've taken a break at all, yeah. Well, I think I need to like strike a medal or something for all those people that managed to start at a young age and not take that. I call it the you know the early hiatus, you know, the, after the school years and uh, into sort of the late twenties, and you see, you know, often people have that break. But um, but yeah, yeah well, obviously, yeah, uh, you're very you're obviously very busy with work and things like that at the moment that uh, prevents you from getting down in the field. So yeah, but even then, you know, like I still often have a plane or a heli in the back of the car and wherever I can, grab it out and have a fly. This is what I always say, that, you know, once an aero modeler and always an aero modeler, and aero modeling doesn't necessarily mean going to the field and flying. So, for example, me doing this podcast is an act of aero modeling. I enjoy it, you know, to go and have a chat with people about model aeroplanes. Yeah, that's it's very true. I'm a big fan of, um, you know, the old guys that head to the club and just have a chat. Some people frown upon and go, oh, the old guys come, they sit around, they don't even fly. I'm like, yeah, but they don't need to. They come to have a chat with their mates. Like they're at the flying field. They're talking about planes, they're talking about projects and general chit-chat. It's like having a ball. Yeah. I mean, at the moment, I'd probably rather stay in my garage and either build or design a plane than I would go flying because I'll have more fun designing a plane than I will go flying. Yeah, yeah. There's a lot of people that are like that. I'm a flyer because I think I've got – you know, a handful of thumbs when it comes to building. Look, I know I can do it. It's just the patience to do it. At yeah, this but point it changes, though, you know, like 
um, Marco, who was on your podcast a while ago, yeah, Marco he, Ford. He, yeah, he just bought an L39 Albatross office. Oh, few, he's going to build one, is he? A few months ago, and he's he's underway building it at the moment. Yeah. And, you know, he was sort of the same, you know, oh, I don't know if I want to do this. And talked to him a few times, and he's like, oh, let's have a crack. And now he loves it. Yeah, it, it's one of those things. If you've got the room, I struggle for room to build big kits and things like that, that yeah. I think that um, once you get into it, I don't think it's overly complex to build models. No. no. It's just having that willingness to work through it and, and consistency. But, you know, let's talk about building a bit, I suppose, and, and, you know, you've been building for a long, long time. You know, what are some of the most notable builds that you've done over the years, ones that stand out in your mind? Uh, yeah, well, um, what is that? There's uh, eight size Eurofighter that I'm currently building at the moment. Oh, really? Um, myself. Dad and Andrew Smallridge built our giant uh, B-36 bomber. So we designed and built that. That B-36 bomber, I've, I've taken plenty of photos of it. It's appeared on the uh, Flat Out RC Instagram page uh, many a time. Um, yeah. And uh, it's a massive plane. T- tell everybody about this B-36 because this is really, truly a special plane. Uh, so it started as Dad and um, Andrew Smallridge went on a – tour of the u.s um, aircraft museums over in america so they spent about two and a half weeks or something just visiting airplane museums and it was they saw thousands of airplanes and on one of the visits they saw one of the giant v36 bombers over there and they joked that we should build one and when they came back it was like the talk for like two months and we thought oh yeah well let's go ahead and build one so i designed it up um, and the plan was, is that we decided we we're going to build it at one of the Shepherdons. I can't remember which one it was. And we said, that's it. We'll have it built by the next Shepherdon and no one will know about it. And we'll bring it out and it'll be like, oh, where did this come from? Well, about three and a half Shepherdons, about three and a half years later, we um, finally finished it. Yeah, <laughs> that's, that's right. Now, wingspan of that plane. Uh, it's 230 inches. I don't know what that. To, it's it's exactly one twelfth scale. Is it? So I'm not quite a hundred percent sure what two hundred and thirty inches well, is. What's this? I could do it because I've got my computer on. Two hundred thirty inches to let's say centimeters. Oh, five. It's five. It's almost six meters. Yeah, almost six meter. Five point eight four. Um, that's, yeah, and that's it's massive. a giant. It's a giant box. So it's actually one of the few square aeroplanes that I know of. So. It's 5.8 metres long and 5.8 metre wingspan. Yeah, that's true. Now, the um, propulsion on that is pretty unique, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. So it's got six electric motors. Um, so motors that we bring into the country, which are motor off fly motors. So it's got six of those and it's got four 70 mil electric EDFs. Yeah, so it's got this... Uh... And what, what? How does that power the plane? Is it okay? Because it, how? Because it's a, it's not a light plane, but um. No, I think it weighs like? about. I think it weighs sixty five kilos. Um, ready to fly, um. So it's definitely not light, but yeah, it flies around on half throttle, so it's got plenty of power. When um, Dave Law was good enough to do the test flight for us, and um, it got off on. Not even half the strip out at Van Darks where we test flew it. What was what was his feedback on the plane? 
when he flew it. So he, he reckons it flies all right. I think it was more just a bit tricky on landing because it, yeah, but it gets, it seems to fly well. So he, he seemed happy when he flew it. So he was more than happy to take it up for all its test flights. Well, I've, I got a message from Les Sawyer, the president of the uh, Shepparton Club. Yeah. And the email said, because I help them out with their website, and I said, he said to me, Andrew, can you put a save the date up for the Shepparton Mammoth event this year? And I looked at my clock at the uh, calendar and I went, gee, he's getting in early. And I, <laughs> I literally, I'm looking at it now. I've updated the little little image, 17th to 18th of September 2022. Uh Mammoth scale flying is going to be on. So, are we going to see the plane there? Yeah, maybe. I'll have to speak to Dad and see if we're going to take it out to the Monte Tyrrell. So, well, the Monte Tyrrell event's up. happening at Pakenham Club down here in Victoria, twenty uh, seventh of March or something like that, isn't it? I'm yeah, twenty yeah, Sunday, twenty seventh. Yeah. Okay, so if you want to, if you're in Victoria and want to see it, get down to the Monte Tyrrell event. Uh, yeah, so, so we'll ask Daddy if he can be bothered taking it out. It's such a ginormous effort to get it out. Yeah, that's a problem <laughs> when they get big like that. Like, how does it break down? Because the fuselage obviously breaks down to what, say, three pieces or so. Or? Yeah, the fuselage is in three pieces, and then the wings in um, two pieces plug into like a, a box in the middle. So the landing gear and everything sits in the middle of it. Um, and yeah, we store it with obviously the nose on up to just just behind the trailing edge of the wing and then plug on the tail so how long does it take to get assembled oh, i think it's just i think the quickest we've done it so far is a bit over an hour <laughs> yeah that's a bit but i'll tell you what i always say you know if you put the effort in you get the reward and to see that plane fly to see it just sitting there you know there's a lot of effort that's gone into that model so um yeah hopefully we can see it shepherd and people would love it you'd have the sky to yourselves because nobody would want to fly they all want to see it <laughs> See it take <laughs> off, and and are you, have you are you going to have a fly of it? Uh, I haven't had a fly of it yet. The only person that's flying it is um Dave Law, so mm. I will have a fly of it at some point, though. Yeah, for sure. Well, he's a competent pilot to fly something like that. Yeah, it was sort of the one person that you go to, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, he's got yeah. nerves of steel, that man. That's right. That is true. A lot of experience under his belt. Yeah. Okay, so let's keep on moving then. So that's that's yeah that's. You know, a signature model, that that big bomber. So what else? What other planes you built? Uh, we did a big um, Avro Vulcan at one point that we had up at Shepard and a few Shepherds ago. I think that was about a 110-inch Avro Vulcan. Nothing like the guys that are building the one in Queensland. That's amazing. No, the, going up there. the big one. David Gale is going to come on the podcast soon, I think. But, uh, yeah. And find out all about that. But um, what was that powered by? Was it a turbine or...? PDF. No, no. So turbine, when we had that, turbines weren't really around. So we actually had a, um, a Super Tiger 45 pusher motor in the back. Oh, did you? Yeah, running a prop, a big three-bladed prop. So that was all sort of before turbines broke out into the hobby. Oh, have you got any turbines? No, it's the one thing I don't have, which I keep telling myself I have to get. <laughs> it's, I always, you know, I've got a saying, all roads lead to turbines. That's what it seems like at the moment. But it's such a hard question of what size to get. That you know? is true. Like, because I've, I've noticed with the uh, the turbine scene, everyone's getting bigger and bigger. You know, we saw it with prop yeah. planes and now they're getting bigger and bigger. And I've got like a hundred size turbine in my little Viper jet, two meter wingspan. And I'm yeah. happy with that. I'm happy with that size. Because uh, when you go to that next size up, your cost goes up a lot. 
Um, and of course, you know, bigger does fly better, but uh, storage problems and all that kind of stuff. But um, yeah, yeah that, it's just, it, it's funny. Everyone seems you know, if you're really into turbines, yeah, you'll have your two meter wingspan kind of model, but then you'll also have a fleet of you know two meter and up, you know, two twenty size you know turbine models that kind of thing i just yeah i'm sort of the same you know you go oh yeah well i'll get a a hundred yeah and then you go but how cool would a giant l39 or something yes i need i need a you know 180 for that or a 200 it's you know it's a a fascinating concept though i've got this fundamental belief right we fall in love with the idea all right yeah that's what drives you to build like you know build that big bomber and stay committed we fall in love with the idea but realistically, if I look at it from a fun factor of flying the plane, I can have just as much fun flying a 1.2 meter wingspan foamy as I can a 100 cc aerobatic plane. Absolutely, it's, it's still it's still just the act of flying. And I say, yeah, I enjoy flying the big plane, but it's not 50 percent more fun than flying no. a little foamy. So it's the same. My, my my theory with the turbines, I've got a good filter, Kevin. I can just sit there and say to myself, you don't need another plane. You've got enough, and just remember what you keep on telling everybody. The fun factor isn't that much greater, but I definitely can see it. You know, when you go to a jet event and you see these big planes, you go, oh, that is nice. So I'm le- I'm very good at appreciating it. But when they're 100 feet away from you, you don't really know the difference, do you? Kevin, just 200 true, feet in there. True. And if you want it to look bigger, just fly closer to yourself. Exactly right. <laughs> it's, a, it's a cheaper option. That's yeah. a, a new concept. Oh, I need yeah. a bigger plane. Just fly a current yeah. one closer to you. It looks bigger. Yeah. 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 Just pretend it's a different scale by fl- by flying closer and further away from you. Yeah. That's yep. That's a good idea. Perfect. Mm. A lot cheaper. Yeah. What else? What other planes have you had? Uh, we've got a um, Zeroli B25, 101 inch, one of those. Um, the dad did a lot of the building on there. Um, I know. As I have a look around the garage, what else have I got? Oh, I'm building a. Um, I've got this thing for airliners at the moment. Everyone thinks oh, I'm mad. Nah, nah. I'm with you. I'm with you a hundred percent. I love the airliners. What are you building? So, uh, what aren't I building? Should be the question. <laughs> um, I've got a seven three seven. So I've decided that the scale to do airliners at is one to fifteen scale. Don't ask me why, but I just figured that that's a great scale to do airliners at. I think when I did it, all the wheels worked perfectly for available wheels. Retracks are pretty good, stuff like that. So I've got a, um, I'm building a 115th 737-800 series. Yeah. What's the wingspan about, on that? Still that's a bit scale. over two metres. Yeah, yeah. Slightly over two metres. So it's a good size. little size. Yeah. Um, and I'm cutting out a uh, 737-700 for a mate yeah. um, that, that does a bit of flying with me. So we'll have one of each of them. Um, I've finally convinced Dad to build me a DC-10. So I'm yeah. going to do a 115th DC-10. They'll be all um, EDF? Yeah, I think the DC-10 will have a single turbine in the back. Yeah, you could get away with that easy. Yeah, yeah and then have um, 3D printed... Um, you know, like rotors in the in the engine, so it yeah. looks like it's got a thing. So we do a fair bit of stuff on the three D printer. So we'll print those up and install them, and they'll look pretty good. Um, and then I'm working on a one fifteenth A three thirty, which I'll end up doing in the Hawaiian Airlines color scheme. I think. Oh, really? 
Oh. The road. And so, okay, so of course, a lot of us have seen Rami. Rami RC has been building airliners and yeah. working out, you know, it's amazing some of the stuff. Actually, I really like seeing his progression from the early days where it was a bit like thrown together, but now it's a lot more sophisticated kind yeah. of thing. But yeah, um, yeah, yeah. look, uh, it just shows you though, people love an airliner model. Yeah, I mean, I think I fell into it because I stumbled across on YouTube, there's that massive airliner made in Germany. Yes. And the stuff that they have over there is just absolutely incredible. Um, the amount of effort and time those guys go into building those planes is you just, you can't like watch it and not go, I want one of those. Well, I can't anyway. No, I'm the same. So tell us a bit about the construction of that, of, of you know, what are you building um, those airliners out of? Because we know that Rami's doing a lot of molded composite kind of work nowadays, but w- how are you building them? So I was lucky enough, I got onto a bloke in Boeing that gave me the scale three views in CAD for the planes um they've uploaded them since onto their website so anyone can sort of get on and download it um basically construction is just going to be ply and balsa um with a bit of foam thrown in for stiffness around the place sandwich the um, balsa and ply um i've never done it before but i've seen a few people do it and they reckon it's great um so yeah i'll probably give that a crack on the a330 i think but the 737's just, yeah, straight bowl supply with a fair bit of G10 for all the, I'm using G10 for all the flaps and the flap mechanisms for all the Fowler flaps. Yeah, okay, good. Um, what scheme are you going to put on that? Well, I'm going to do the 737 in Qantas, I think. Yeah. Oh, that's an easier scheme to do, mainly white. So yeah. 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 Actually, I am looking... I'm looking at the um, Boeing website, and, yeah, they do CAD 3-view drawings for airport planning purposes. So they've yeah. got all the different models in, um, yeah, 3D. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, Airbus have started doing a similar thing as well. So you've got every model. Yeah. My brother's a 737-800 pilot. Oh, yeah, who does he fly for? Virgin. Yeah, oh, okay. Virgin. But, um, yeah, I, oh. and what do you want to power those with? Uh, I'm gonna do I'm gonna do the seven three seven with um, two EDFs. I haven't decided what size or type EDFs I'm gonna do at the moment. Um, I've got a few different types. Um, but yeah, we'll just see how heavy it comes out. I guess at the end of the day, and power it with the appropriate one. Yeah. I can fit one twenties and ninety mils in the um, in the nacelles, so it's pretty open. Yeah, there's gonna be a lot of work in that. When when's the uh, when's the due date? Have you given yourself a deadline, or is it whenever it's ready? Oh, I'm shocking at building. <laughs> I've I finished. Well, Dad ended up finishing because he got sick of looking at it. I got a P40 Kitty Hawk for my 16th birthday. Yeah, and I think it was finished on about my 39th birthday. See, that's fine. So I'm not the world's fastest. (laughs) Well, you said to me something off air. You said, you know, your problem is that you get to a certain point and then you go, well, just might as well start a new model and you start another one. Yeah. Yeah. How how many planes you got on the go? uh, Oh, it'd be at least six. Yeah, I'm looking around at the moment. Yeah, it's about six. So obviously you've got a big shed to work out of then. No, no, I'm all in a single car garage. Oh, with obviously no car in it. 
we we of course we'd no car. Yeah. yeah. Actually, that's what I need to do then. I've got a single car garage, but my problem is yeah, yeah. my trailer's in it. Yeah, see, I don't have a trailer. So the trailer lives at Dad's house. He's got plenty of space, so he can have the trailer. And I can pick it up when I need it. See, shared resources, good idea. Yeah, spread the the only way. Yeah, yeah. I'm I'm keen to see these airliners. I reckon they're great. I've had a look at, uh, I'm a bit like you, you see these these meets, and they're the the kind of things that really excite me. Uh, Yeah. I, I actually... Last week's podcast, I did a little piece on how, um, you know, there's a bit of a lack of. I'm feeling there's a bit, a little bit of lack of sort of not the di- oh, diversity in one kind of way of, um, you know, new models coming out from different brands and stuff like that. And then I sort of said maybe you know it's the rise of the laser cut kits that if you want something different, I suppose, and different to me is like an airliner. And I, I went online. I thought, oh, who's making these? These, is anyone making kits? And there are some people that will make the kits, but you'll you'll pay a lot. Like you know, you wouldn't get much change out of six grand to to get a, a, an airframe. Well, I looked at it, and there was one I think in Germany by Robert Nausch, I think his name is. Um, I looked at getting one of those over here, and the parts aren't that bad. But by the time you pay postage for these giant parts, it kills it. That's the problem. Yeah. 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 We're just in the wrong part of the world. Yeah, yeah. Postage was like more than the parts combined. It was crazy when the, at, at the time I was looking at it, and that's when I was like, "Oh well, I'll just design it myself," and that's what I started to do. So, well, I'm now I'm now right typing it. So this is my problem. I get on the internet and everything's at my fingertips. So I'm writing RC seven three seven airliner kits. <laughs> yeah. I'm trying to see what they've got to see if someone's built it because no doubt there is probably. So I know there's um there was a foamy. Um, seven three seven. Yeah, there's the wind rider or whatever it is foamy that came yeah, out. Yeah, what the bigger one? Yeah, I'm not really into foamies. So I've never really. I've got foamies that I like to fly in the park and whatever and chuck around. But yeah, if I'm going to build something big, on I sort of try and stay away from foamies. Yeah, they have their place and they're great fun and you know lots of fun. But if you're going to go to all the effort of doing something like that, I sort of stick away from. Yeah. Okay. Well, you got me all excited about those airliners. Uh, I'm glad you're doing that. That's the other thing. I love it when builders will build something that's a bit different to add to the diversity at the field. Um, You know, like, you know, yeah, cubs are good, but. (laughs) You can only see so many cubs. Yeah. And the 10th one's as good as the first one, really. But uh, having something that's a bit different. And, you know, you know what? If I'm going to build something, like I always talk about super chipmunk. I love a super chipmunk. Um, yep. That I'm not going to have to build from a kit, and that's a re- that's a retirement thing for me, really. It's well, you love the the Carolina custom. Yeah, it's the chip, one. Right? Yeah, yeah, I was speaking to Mark the other day. Did you? Yeah, no, it, um, yeah. That, that Carolina customs, it's a good size because it's not giant, giant. It's what fifty, sixty cc. No. Yeah, about sixty cc. Yeah. yeah, and it looks like um, it's pretty well thought out. And I watched a video of it flying. It looked beautiful, like it like it looks like a normal aerobatic plane. But yeah, it looks yeah, amazing. I love the um, I love the uh, that's if you look, put it this way, if you can get your hands on the, the the files to cut me one, I'll probably take one. But and and you know what I'd do with it? I'd sit it there for probably thirty years. Yeah, yeah, you and, join my club. Yeah, yeah, I'll, definitely. Yeah. And we'll be, we'll, you, it'll be you and I, Kevin. We'll be down at the field, 
and go, remember when I bought that kit off you? How long ago do you reckon that was? Oh, it's 30 yeah. years ago. Well, yeah, yeah I'm about to fly. I've got the elevator. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> Actually, I've got, a, I've got a glider like that that I bought in about 95 or 96 from Tony Chincotta from, uh, yeah, yeah. was it, Hobby Hanger? Satin Hobbies. Satin yeah. Hobbies, yep. Yeah. And, um, and I've built the uh, the rudder and the elevator, and the rest <laughs> is just sitting there. And I actually gave it to somebody else. I did a deal with somebody. It was it's a it's a two channel fiberglass fuselage glider. And I said to him, "Hey, this guy, I said, you know, he likes building gliders. He can you build it for me?" He it sat in his shed for two or three years, didn't budge. And he said, oh, "I don't want to build it," and he gave it all back to me. Um, <laughs> so if anybody wants to build a mini martini glider. I, I want to turn into a slope sawer. I want to have ailerons on it. So you've got to modify the wing. It's a phone call wing. So send me a message at getonflatoutrc.com.au. <laughs> and if you want to build a glider, I've got it sitting here ready to go. You're all the one. Oh, yeah. It's a beautiful fuselage, but it's raw. It's like it needs to be painted and, you know, so there's a little bit of work involved in it. But, um, yeah, it's uh, actually I sent a message. I had a look on the box recently. And I noticed that it was actually a design between Martin Simmons and um, uh, Mike O'Reilly from uh, Modelfly. Oh, okay. And yep. I sent message uh, to, a message to Mike saying, hey, Mike, uh, what do you know about this glider? He goes, oh, yeah, we built a few of them. Way that would be like in the 80s. And I've gone, yeah, yeah. Oh, I bought it in the 90s because it was been sitting <laughs> on the shelf. I think it probably cost me about 130 bucks. I think. And I, I couldn't resist yeah. when I saw the fuselage. But, yeah, that'll be finished with the um, Super Chipmunk. Uh, yeah. No doubt. When you retire. Yeah, but I'll tell you what, I can't wait to retire. I've got a few more years to go. I've probably got 20 years to go, but I can't wait to retire. Yeah, it'll be good. Be able to do some serious building. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll, you know, the kids will be off my hands. I'll convert their bedroom into a building room. Oh, it's going to be awesome. <laughs> it's already all planned Maybe now. I can kick them out now. 14 is old enough, isn't it, do you reckon? Kick them out. They should be sure. defend themselves. I'm sure there are some countries overseas where 14-year-olds are working in factories and stuff. Yeah, probably, yeah. Oh, well. Now, yeah. well, that that brings us to, you know, your exploits in the industry. And, and you know, I've dabbled in the industry in the past, sold some, you know, 3D hobby shop planes and all that kind of stuff. And, um, you know, we're foolish uh, to do that, really. Um, it's one of those things that takes up a lot of time. It doesn't generate generally a lot of, a lot of wealth. Um, tell us a bit about Hulk RC. Yeah, so I originally started a company with Andrew Smallridge SC Models. So we did that for about eight years. We That's actually, right. I think, sold you motors. That's your right. 3D hobby shop planes. I used to, yeah. Right. Uh, I did. And they were, yeah, they were really good. What was the, the brand? Uh, motor Oil Fly. Motor Oil Fly. They were, yeah, yeah. awesome motors. They, they, you know, it was, they used to be really promoted by 3D Hobby Shop. As yeah, motor. and I've I've actually got I've still got a couple. Oh, yeah, I pulled one out of one plane. I've got another one sitting there, and um, yeah, they're good motors. So yeah, so you had because I wonder where SC models went, but now I've put two and two together, so I've worked it all out. Yeah, yeah. So that that finished up a while ago. Just um, yeah, just got to the end of that, and we saw I sort of took a break for a couple of years and a few people came to me asking, Oh, I really want you to design this plane for me. I want you to design that plane for me, et cetera, et cetera. And then I sort of wasn't doing a lot in, in the hobby. And I'm like, well, I don't have a lot of time to go flying. So what else can I do? And that's when I started Hulk RC. So you were, so SC models, you were cutting kits back then though, weren't you? Yeah, that's right. Yeah. So you had all the you know laser cutters and all that kind of stuff to do everything. Yeah, yeah. So we had a nine hundred by six hundred laser cutter then. Um, we got a thirteen hundred by nine twenty laser cutter now. 
Um, but it's it's a bit over thirteen hundred wide, but it's actually an infinite length laser cutter, so you can stick the sheets out the back and keep cutting. Um, okay. Which is what most laser cutters are these days, infinite length. Um, which is handy when you're cutting some big planes because you can push, keep pushing the timber through. Yeah. Uh, it's it's interesting. I'm just like, if anybody's tried to build an online store before, you know the pain and the heartache of doing it. And your website has a lot of stuff on it. <laughs> so yeah, and- we actually just got we just got the latest delivery today. So there'll be a whole lot more stuff going up soon. <laughs> You've got, so, gee, there's some great models here. I'm just having a look at um, the uh, short kit of a Beechcraft 350i King Air. Yeah, yeah. So that's by a company that we actually bought um, last year. So yeah. it was a company that we were a dealer for for a long time. Um, and he was looking at moving away from sort of doing day-to-day hobby sales. So we came to an agreement. Um, sort of the end of last year where we bought him out. So now we own all the rights to him. It's, what, what's interesting is you can see that, like, you know, you, you've got a section on your website for stuff that you've designed. Yeah. Um, and so how are you designing? Are you just doing it in CAD and then cutting them or? Yeah, yeah. So, um, yeah, design in CAD in 2D and then I take it across into 3D and assemble it in 3D, okay. um, which is sort of the old school way, which is the way I was taught how to use CAD. Um, and then it's easy to take from there across and put into like a cutting file and cut it. So is there any, with some of the stuff that you've done for yourself, is there a bit of trial and error sometimes to, to perfect the, uh, to perfect the kit? Oh, there's always trial and error. Um, I'm, I've changed the way that I've designed planes a few times since I've started designing planes and the way that I do it now, I think is by far the easiest for somebody that is I, I, I try and make it as easy as I can for somebody to build a scratch built plane that way. And I like to, I like to say if someone's never built a scratch built plane before, how would be the easiest way for them to build it? And I try and make it super simple for somebody to build. And I think the way I do it now is the easiest way. Yeah. And are you got um, your printing plans as well? Yeah, yeah, we do plans as well. Yeah, do everything. I haven't um, most of my planes that I design. Actually, you don't need plans to build. Hmm. Um, it's all fairly straightforward. It's all off a center keel, so we run one piece of plywood down the middle, and then all the formers drop onto that center piece of plywood. So the um, and what 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 comes with your short kits? Uh, well, the short kits are just that. So it's all the ply. Um, like wing ribs and fuselage formers um, and balsa wing ribs and fuselage formers to make the basically the skeleton of the plane less the stringers. But if somebody wants the stringers and the sheeting, which is what's called a full kit, we can offer that as well. Does it come with plans or is that extra? Oh, that's extra. Yeah. Guess what? I've been looking at the super chipmunk on your website now. Now you've distracted me. <laughs> Well, Hostetler have just brought Hostetler plans. They wear an agent for Eddie. They've just actually released a 40% chipmunk, yeah. which is pretty impressive. I got, well, I got the plans for that the other day. Yeah. What about, um, I always get like scared, like things like um, canopies and cows 
I know there's some companies in the US that are making a lot of those. I know for um, the super chipmunks and stuff. So is available, is, uh, you know, those kind of molded parts of readily available? Yeah, there's plenty of companies around the world that stock all that stuff. We're in the process of making a heap in-house, um, which will make it a lot easier. So we have most of the canopies and cows for our custom wings range, um, which we're making at the moment and have already made. Um, so we've got a fair few of those. We've done, I've got a fair few Zeroli planes with um canopies and stuff like that and then canopies and cows for zeroli are easy they're all just through zeroli or through us we stock them if you need them okay well it's good to see you've got, a, you've got an excellent range of um of models there um when it comes to to kit and um as i was saying in my rant last week uh was that you know if you want something that's a bit different i think we're going to have to go back to building kits and um I, you know, I one of the things I, I like about building a kit and I, you know, I have done it when I was younger but uh is once you're finished in that sense of achievement when you look back at that model yeah absolutely I don't know about your family but my family when I, I say them look at that plane how good does it look and they all say so but look at look at it Take it up, yeah. soak it up. It's a great looking plane. I put that together myself. Uh, that took me four thousand hours to build. Yeah, and I go appreciate. Really, it. that took you a long time. <laughs> but um, yeah, it's a good thing. Um, you know, you've got the time, you've got the space, you've got the inclination, and be good. I will, you know, I'll have a chat with Marco for next time I see him to see how he's going and egg him on to to keep. Yeah, it. he might do. I mean, it. I think. The thing I enjoy about scratch building is it's something that you can go out, spend an hour, which isn't a lot of time, and you can look back and go, oh, okay, I sheeted a quarter of a side of a fuzz or, you know, I built the frame of the plane. Do you, do you find that, um, like, the the early stages, like, you know, building wings and fuselage, stuff like that sort of happens relatively quickly, and then when the detail, when you get to the detail end, things start to slow up and you lose the enthusiasm? Yeah, I've got a um, F one hundred four Starfighter that I've designed. It's sitting three quarters built, yeah, and I just need to finish the sheeting, and it's sat there for I don't know three years. We'll be sitting around that fire in the middle of winter at the Packenham Club, you and me, and then throwing bits like, of unbuilt plane. On yeah, the fire. Like, how's that that Starfighter going, guys? Well, it's just in that fire there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it's gonna be perfect. But you're doing some other stuff as well. So you still got um some radio, uh, some um you know the um electric motors and speed controls and stuff like that. Are, are you moving many of those, or is it quieting down a bit on that front? Oh, it's quieting down a little bit. We haven't really pushed a great deal on the electric motors for the time being. Um, it's been hard to get stuff in and out of the country with COVID. Um, but now that all those restrictions are starting to come back, it's a lot easier to get stuff back in stock. Yeah. Well, you know, as I said, what's the, how do you pronounce the brand again? Mot, mot- Motorola Fly. Motorola Fly. Yeah. The, what you need to do, people, is I've used these motors. I used to sell them and never, ever had a problem. Jump onto hulkrc.com.au and you'll see the range of um, of motors there. And they are really good quality stuff and, and affordable too. Yeah, I good. find that a lot of people get scared off by electric um, because they're not, hundred percent sure what size motor they need or what speed controller they need, et cetera, et cetera. So 
I always just say, if you don't know, just ask. There's nothing wrong and we can set the plane up exactly for you. I set up two planes today for people. Um, it's for me, I've been, you know, using and selling motor off fly for 10 years. So we've tested them all. We have a really good working relationship with a factory where we ask for modifications when we need them. Um, so yeah, we know all about the motors. Um, so it's easy for us to set up people's planes for them. Hopefully get out of it. How are you going with supply of balsa? Yeah, good. I just got a massive order of balsa today, actually. Yeah. So that's what I was actually talking to the guys at Carolina Custom about was balsa and the overall. They buy balsa in forty foot containers. Oh, do they? Yeah. But is, is, is that just a husband and wife operation? Yeah. Gee, they yeah. must be busy. Imagine how much balsa dust would be flying around. <laughs> Yeah, well, they they buy it all in um, logs and then cut mill it down themselves. Oh, really? Yeah. Could work out yeah. cheaper that way. Maybe you should do that. Yeah, in all my invisible spare space. Yeah. <laughs> Your dad's got the space, remember? Yeah, yeah. Kick yeah. all the cars out of his garage and say, I'm turning it into a mill. Yeah, perfect. We got a mill bolter. <laughs> well, we've got the – well, there's a business. Is, in, what's the, is it in South Australia? Yeah. Bolsa um, business, what's it called? Uh, go on blank. Balsa something. Uh, Balsa Central. Balsa Central. But, and I heard that they've got some of their own plantations up in Papua New Guinea or something making balsa. Yeah, I heard that as well. Yeah. yeah. So that's probably true. Did you happen to speak to Carolina Customs about making their um, chipmunk? Uh, yeah, I have. Have they said yes? Uh, well, we're working through it. Yeah, I spoke to him before Christmas. His dad's pretty sick, so he hasn't been around much. Um, but I'm hoping once all that sorts itself out that, yeah, we'll be cutting his kits for him out here. Okay. Well, I'm happy to be a guinea pig. Because <laughs> <laughs> we'll have it built by 2070. Oh, Kevin. Look, 28? We're going to have a race. You know, pick a model, right? You're Starfighter, and let's see if I can uh, – look, I can – You win. <laughs> do, you, do you know what I'll do? I wouldn't even open the box. I would leave it in the box. Because you know what the thing is? If you pull it out of the box and start building it, then that's taking up more room. Like, I actually went yeah, through this phase. True. I had these 100 CCs, which took me like four to five years, ARFs to build, right? Old yeah. 3D hobby shop planes that I kept for myself. And um, as soon as I pulled them out of the box, that was it. I now had the box with some of the parts in it. I had the fuselage out, so it was taking up more room. So I got to the point where I said, I've just got to finish this stuff. So actually, one of the 100 CCs, I paid a guy to build it. Ashcox. I, took, I drove it to Swan Hill, so five-hour drive or th three, four, close to four-hour drive, to yeah. a mate who was on holidays who put it in his caravan that drove it to his house in South Australia and Ash came and picked it up. And then once it was finished, like three months later or something, I drove with my trailer all the way to South Australia to pick this plane up. I literally hung around for about an hour and a half and turned around and came home. I think I made it to Ararat, stayed the night in Ararat and then finished the, the journey the next morning. And that was easier for me to do that than for me to try to <laughs> assemble that model. And I've Wow, that's a bit of dedication there, well, isn't it? I've flown it once, but the whole idea was to just get it all built so I didn't have a box, an engine over here and the, the mufflers over here and something like that because it's just it's, uh, I call it space management. And, and people say, why don't you fly it? I go, I'm not in a rush. I'm not in a rush uh, at all. No, got... The balsa's still curing. We've got <laughs> another good you know, five well, years left before it's hard. Do you know, a lot of people say, oh, you know, that airframe's getting a bit tired and I go, uh, it's still flying. I think it'll be okay. 
Like, yeah. The bolster, I don't think, is wearing out. Um, you know, covering <laughs> might go a bit slack kind of thing. But, I, I, you know, people say, oh, I think I'm going to retire this model. I go, why? It flies. This is supposed to be yeah, flying. Exactly right. it's, if it's not, it's, it's going to be in pieces. when it hits the ground. Yeah. And, you know, it takes up less space when it's in the bin. So, yeah. you know, and then replace it with some, something else. So, But, yeah, you've got a, you've got a good selection of, um, of kits there. Um, which is good and and good to see you've even got some supplies like you know zap glues and things like that which is always um good to have as well so if you're at uh down at hulkrc.com.au are you doing full-time or is it uh a situation uh, where you're working full-time and but it feels like I'm full-time. working full-time and doing hulk rc full-time what's so your full-time job sleep. i'm a civil engineer oh, is that like your dad yeah oh, what what area of civil engineering do you do Oh, I'm in road construction oh. these days. Look, I come from a, a road construction family. My dad had a road construction business, and now actually one of my good marketing customers is in a, Leica Geo Systems. They've got doing a lot of stuff with yep. Silverworks. So yeah, um, yeah. I know what it's like. A lot of projects going around, building projects at the moment. Yeah, heaps. Yeah, it's a it's a good time to be in construction. That's for sure. No, I've said to my dad, we should start up again. Yeah. But he's you know, he's well and truly retired at 81, I don't think. Actually, if I said to him, let's start up, he'd probably say, yeah, let's go. But uh, yeah, the, probably, te- yeah. the technology used in road construction nowadays has moved ahead in leaps and bounds in the last 20 years since my dad last built the road. But, um, yeah, probably not as much as what you think, but yeah. <laughs> oh, I was telling him, I'm doing some work with a company that does uh, software for civil engineering and um, I was telling my dad about it. He goes, oh, that'd be awesome. Yeah. Better for estimating, doing tenders and all that kind of stuff. And, yeah. But anyway, so yeah, but you know, you're probably like me when I had uh, 3D Hobby Shop Australia, where I it was sort of part time, but you took it pretty seriously, didn't you? You didn't want to let the customers down by making them wait. No, no. So my wife does a bit as well, and we cut kits basically every night of the week. We're cutting a kit, or during the day we're cutting a kit. So yeah, it's pretty full on. So the demand seems to be really good then at the moment. Yeah, it seems like there's definitely been a resurgence in, in laser cut kits, yeah, and scratch building for sure. It's like, a, I think it's in line with the resurgence of turbines. But what the other thing is interesting is actually, and I think this is an untapped area, is this the um, the kit-built um, turbines. Everyone's buying all these composite jobs that are coming out of China and stuff like that. But uh, it'd be great to see... And there's plenty available, aren't there, of, um, of you know, yeah, bulk supply turbine... Yep. Um, Models. Well, they're probably our the kit that we cut the most are our um, yeah are our build up turbine models. I'd say really, yeah. See so those turbine guys; they're crazy. They're like, oh, we'll spend it. We need another one. It's yeah, like, we'll just try to build one. It might be cheaper. Yeah, um, well, it's a well. From what I've been told, it's a hell of a lot cheaper to scratch build one than to go and buy a composite one. <laughs> Yeah, but you know, look, the trade off in time, composite ones, probably yeah, exactly. go together a bit quicker yeah. and uh, yeah. that kind of thing. So, but, um, but you know, it's one of those things I always encourage aero modelers if you're getting a bit bored or something like that, want to do something different, then you know, grab a kit, even if it's like a glider, a simple, like old yeah. school glider. And we were all, you know, I always say that our first model that we build is really the sacrificial model, that's where we're just cutting our teeth. And the second one yeah. gets a lot better. And then by the time we get the third or fourth one, we're hitting our stride kind of thing. And so go and grab a cheap you know, glider or something like that just to practice the skill of building and you'll uh, you'll learn a lot from that. And then um, 
go up and up and up from that. We had um, there was a guy Tim DeHaan who he, he always rates himself as a terrible era modeler, but he you know he won the uh, best in show kind of thing at the uh, Mammoth event a few years ago. In yeah, 2019, I think it was the last one that was held. And um, yeah, he had a, he's been getting really into the the whole kit building thing, and he's producing some wonderful uh, wonderful models. So. We can all do it. It's all in us. And I know your dad's he's a big supporter of people being building uh building from kits and things like that. He runs that um kit build day down at the club. Yeah, so he, he was one of the ones behind the scratch built day at P and Darks. Um which I mean you've only got to look at last time that was held a couple of years ago. You've only got to look at the numbers of people that turn up there with scratch built planes and you can clearly see that it's scratch building still alive and well. Yeah, which is good to see. It's very good to see. And uh, we'll be there. I'll be there one day building from a kit. Uh, it does excite me. And I know that I'm going to have a very busy retirement. I've just got to make it to there. Uh, Kevin, I'm planning on doing it. No other plans except to get there. I, I, no, it's, it's one of those things. I used to say that um, aero modeling was my retirement hobby. You know, and mates of mine say to me, oh, you never go flying and all this kind of stuff. I go, well, I'm still active in the hobby, uh, but I'm not in a rush. I'm not in a rush. Like if no. if I want to go and ride my motorbike, well, I'll go and ride my motorbike because you know what? There'll be a day when I won't be able to ride my motorbike, but I will be able to fly a model airplane. So yeah, exactly uh, I've got to get right. those kind of things out of the way first and then I'll, uh, you know, definitely when I retire, it's all about flying. Uh, okay, so you may, where, where do you mainly fly when you get out? Packing them? Packing yeah, them, yeah, he's, he's, he's the main club and, yeah, mate's got a private field and so we go a bit there and just down the park with a foamy. Can I become mates with your mate with the private field? <laughs> I'd, I'd like to go and tell him, I'm a, give me a good reference so I can go yeah, and fly it. It's, uh, I, it's you know, a well, fair drive, but it's, yeah. It's I'm good. willing to make the drive. Uh, yeah. I Well, this week, um, oh, well, by the time this, this episode comes out, it would have been last week, I... I might have won the 120 million in the lotto. Yeah, I'm planning uh, that too. Are you? Ah, sorry. Yeah. Well, my plan is this. I actually said to someone the other day, when I win the 120 million, I'm going to buy property out in the country, and I'm going to build yep. an amazing strip, probably asphalt or concrete, one of the two, and I'm going to have an yep. amazing hangar, and I'm going to have like guest quarters. And what I'm going to do oh, is, yeah. I'm going to invite my mates to come there, and they can stay the weekend or whatever. But then I might even rent it out, like for people that want to come. It's going to be expensive. Just to give me a bit of cash flow because I might be a bit yeah, short with my 120 million. Yeah, because 120 million is not yeah. enough. Yeah, but then also good. once he had this massive monster event at like, you know, Chateau Sill Airport, whatever it's going to be called. But, um, I like it. Yeah, look, that's how stupid we aero modelers are. We would grab good money and throw it into building an asphalt runway for model aeroplanes. Um, but yeah, I'm willing yeah. to do that. Uh, for my mates and uh, close friends. So, Well, we can run the first airliner meet there, eh? Oh, Oh my god! I'm gonna have a fleet of them. So um, yeah, so it's we'll replicate phenomenal. the German one, but we'll just have more. Probably just be me and you. Yeah, but you know what? I might be able to retire early then, and then I will start building a chipmunk. <laughs> <laughs> no, you know what I'm gonna do? I'm gonna pay for minions to just be pumping out kits for me. I'll pay you, Kevin. You can come and work for me, right? I'll pay you really good. You'll be on massive salary, and you'll just be cutting kits for me and going. I feel like I'm one of decathlon today. And then no we'll problem, just go boss. on the one and <laughs> cut one out and away <laughs> we go. Cut one out. And then I go, okay, now, Kevin, build it. you got two weeks. Okay, boss, off you go. I yeah, I don't know if I'd be able to build them that quick, but maybe if I was doing it full time, I might Full time, I'm there. paying you well. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. Deal, I'll see you Friday. Okay. <laughs> I think we're losing the plot, so we're going to get back on track. <laughs> so, you, look, 
I'm going to assume you're not flying very often because you're too busy cutting kits and stuff like that. So that's good. Uh, take one for the team. Um, there'll be plenty of time later to go flying. So keep up the good work. Um, question for you, which is, is you know, it's a, it's a common saying that if you get involved in the industry that relates to your hobby, that you ruin your hobby. Uh, has, has it ruined your hobby or you've still got the fire in the belly? No, I love it. Oh, yeah. It definitely hasn't yeah, put out any fire. It's probably, I mean, I, I custom design a lot of planes for people and I'm doing a big Neptune at the moment. And um, it's just like, wow, I just want to see this thing fly. So that, that I'm intrigued about that, uh, the, the fact that you're designing stuff for people. So, you know, if someone says to you, hey, I want, you know, some Cessna, blah, 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 or a Learjet, yeah. you'd go off and um, design, it, yeah. design it. But when you're designing it, are you also thinking about the structures and how to build it as well? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. So you go through, do all the comps for it, make sure it's going to be strong enough, add strength where it needs to, yeah. Do you do, um, you know, does, do you, uh, are you able to do like stress testing on the computer, the design? Um, no, I haven't, but I... Because I'm an engineer, I know a little bit about all that stuff, and I worked as a structural engineer for a bit as well. So I've got a bit of an idea of how, how all that stuff works. See, but that, see, do you know what? That's the exact process that these manufacturers go through. You know, they get given yeah. an outline and say, "Now yeah, go and work out how to build it." And they, you know, people just end up working it out and know know what works. For each yeah, a lot of it. Like most people that have built, you know, I'll say four or five planes have a fair idea on where they need to add strength and stuff into a plane yeah it's that is true. pretty it's pretty straightforward after you've built a few yeah. and definitely a, a, it's pretty evident once you've designed a few that's true what's uh is there a plane that you'd really love to build that you haven't even built forget about the starfighter that'd be a nice plane but you know it's not gonna be ready till you another 30 years and it's a bit small i cut it out so that's why it hasn't been finished because oh. i thought it was going on on cut it looked huge <laughs> but in the garage, it's not that big. So it sort of sat there. I might like double it or something like that, you know? You were zoomed in too much. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I should have zoomed out. Yeah. Uh, but the, um, um, yeah, so what, what would you love to have? Like, what's a bucket list model for you? Well, I'd like, I'd, yeah, I'd really love to have this big A330 finished and maybe like a big 747 or something like that. Oh, be pretty cool, you could, seriously, if you could get a, like a whole bunch of, proven airliner kits done don't yeah. tell anybody but you'd oh, i reckon you'd, you'd be selling them all around the world yeah hopefully well that's the plan and then of i'm halfway on um probably 70 percent of the way through a one-third meteor okay yeah that'd be nice modeled off the one that's in at, at tomorrow yeah no, that'd be a nice plane yeah, I'd like to do that too at some point. Maybe we could start a business, Kevin. Like you design them, then we'll go to some manufacturers in China and we'll get them to make <laughs> these airliners like ARFs because everyone's lazy and we'll yeah. just sell a truckload of them and then we'll just buy Well, that's what it. Phil Singh was telling me like I reckon two weeks ago. He was yeah. like, why don't you just take these yeah. to China and get someone to build them? Don't, don't listen to Phil though. Yeah, we can't. I was like, yeah, but that takes the fun them. out of it though. It's true, but we, like we might get enough money, and we can end up like everybody else in the hobby industry with Ferraris. <laughs> why, why are you yeah, laughing, Kevin? Do you know how many people said to me, "Oh, these companies—they're making a fortune." And yeah, I've met um, you know the owner of Pilot RC and the yeah. Streamfly and all that, and they just laugh and they go, 
Yeah, no, not make no money, not very good. No. Actually, the guy, um, the guy from um, one of the sons from um, GP Motors out of Taiwan, he said to yeah. me uh, when I saw him in China once, he said, "Ah, oh, he left the business. He just left. He goes, ah, oh, it's no good." He said, "You know what?" He said, uh, uh, "Mr. King Tech Turbines, he bought a brand new Mercedes. He's making good money." But us, yeah. we couldn't. We can only afford a second-hand one. We can't. Yeah. You know, we're not making a lot of money out of this. He goes, it's too hard. He said we were yeah. working for ten years and we could just afford a second-hand Mercedes after ten years of, uh, you know, busting his gut to try to get this business up and running and you know, all that kind of stuff. He said there's no money in it, so he was going to uh, go. No, ahead. it's definitely a lot of hard work and a lot of long hours. Yeah, uh, not a lot of outcome. But you know, the thing is, uh, and 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 having met these people in the hobby that have got you know manufacturing businesses in China and stuff. They absolutely love the hobby. Tony Tan yeah. from Pilot RC is having more fun than anybody else at the flying field. He's always yeah. smiling and laughing and whatever, and he's having a ball. And he, he's, I said to him, why did you start Pilot RC? He said, because I started flying and I kept on crashing. And I said to my wife, I might as well start a business making them and then uh, I'll have an endless supply. And literally that was his motivation. So, so he's Perfect. got planes. And now, it's, and now he employs like 60 staff, right? Yeah. And it's just about keeping everybody fed. Um and even you know, Chris Hinson from Extreme Flight said to me once, you know, it's just about earning enough money so that they can, you know, win their retirement. They've got a little bit left over. Um, yeah, exactly. Okay. Right. So it's, and yeah. it's just not a hobby that you can do forever until the day you kick the bucket, isn't it? Yeah. And, you know, I always say it keeps you socially active, physically active, and mentally active. It, yeah. It, we, it, we should get subsidization from their private health uh, insurance funds, you know. You should get a discount for aero modeling, I reckon. And we see it like you know, like your dad's um, generation, and and you know, like imagine what your dad's life would be like without aero modelling at the, at his age. Yeah, I mean, well, he literally wakes up in the morning, has breakfast, walks upstairs, comes down for lunch, turns around, goes back up. His his building rooms upstairs. Yeah. Um, he's got a dedicated, basically, building room upstairs, so he just walks up and down the stairs for meals, and yeah, that's where he is all day building. Yeah. I'm going to get him on the podcast. I've actually I've had his name on the list for a while. I'll have a chat with him next time I see him. So, so I'll work out how I can ring him because he's not a Facebooker. No, <laughs> no, he's definitely not a Facebooker, that's for nah, sure. Well, I think it. he actually signed up, I think, a while ago. Oh, did he? But I don't think he's ever logged on after yeah. he signed up. We'll work it, we'll work it out. It's any any electronic medium to ring, you know. it's You know what? I, I ring for people listening at home. I ring people on Facebook Messenger to do the recording because the audio is so much better than a phone call. Unless sometimes you get a few glitches. If you're listening, you hear some glitches. That's just the internet, you know, dropping in and out. But um, but uh, this has been really clear. It's been it's been good. So, uh, okay, well, I think we've uh, come to that really all important question, the question that everybody can't wait to hear. Yeah, and it could be a tricky one. I think you know what that question is going to be, and that is, what has been your favourite model? Yeah, well, it was I was actually driving around today at work, thinking, how am I going to answer that question? <laughs> You've been preparing. Yeah, yeah. I listen to I've listened to all your podcasts. Oh. Actually, it's it's my I've been doing a big job up in Warburton at the moment, so it's so I listen to it on the way up and on the way back, and it's it's what I listen to in the car. Um, yeah, it's a hard one. I'd probably say. Not that I've even flown it, but I'd say the B36 would be my favourite model purely because the amount of time and effort that all three of us put into getting it to fly and when it actually took off and then landed for the first time, that was an experience that I've never had in RC. Yeah, I can imagine that. Like, 
that's a great answer. That's that's look, that's up there with one of the best answers I've heard because I think everybody was there waiting for this thing to take to take to the air and just seeing the wheels lift off. That's it. That's enough for me. That's like yeah. Yeah, I think there's about it. four. I think there's about four YouTube videos of it of its, of its first flight, and like it was funny because it was a challenge that we set ourselves to build and obviously to fly it. And once it flew three times and was certified, it was sort of like it's done. Yeah. We've, we achieved what we wanted to achieve out of it. We built this huge plane. Everyone said it couldn't fly on electric motors. We proved that it could. Um, there's a lot of things in there that people said it wouldn't fly, blah, blah, blah. And we always knew all the way along that it was going to fly. And then to actually have it fly and land successfully was, yeah, it was a pretty awesome day. I remember seeing it fly. Was it, was it at Monte Tiro last year? Did it fly? Uh, was that one? Yeah, or was that the uh, – no, I don't think it was at the last Monte Tiro because Dad had an operation on his ankle. Was it so before? he wasn't there, but it was the one before that it That's flew. That's right. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But I think you'd done a test flight plot prior to that. Maybe. Yeah, yeah, we did the three test flights. Yeah, a bit before. Yeah. And then I saw David Law fly that at that that event, and um, yeah, it was a. Well, of course I saw it because I took photos of it. That's right. Um, yeah. But, um, yeah. After oh, so we just about rewired the plane in the morning. Oh really? <laughs> yeah. There'd be a lot of wiring in that plane. Oh, tons. See, they'd add up to the weight would add up to, wouldn't it? Yeah. Yeah. When you think about it, but how many batteries are you running in that plane? Because well, it's got... one battery per motor, so oh. it's basically ten lipo packs. And what size? Uh, I think the I think the engine one uh the engine one's a six s six thousand milliamp hour I think, Jeez. and the EDF ones are four s three thousand three hundred I think something around that. And when you're normally flying though, are you engaging the EDFs or? Well, are all motors uh, running it all the time or not? No, not all the time. Um, we have had a few times where we've just, I think on one of the landings, we had an issue with some motors coming in to land um, and we got it home with the ADFs. Oh, really? Yeah, I think we might have run out of power or something in the in the main motors. We flew for a bit longer than what we should have. But oh, yeah, I we got hope, it back eventually. I hope you can get it to Shepparton this year. It'd be phenomenal. There are people that just it's, it's one of those planes that uh I know you, you guys went to the effort to build it, but it's one of those planes that everybody loves. It's like it's it's not just you guys, you know, because you built it and all that kind of stuff, but it's it's the kind of plane where everyone puts their transmitter down and says, Let's go and watch this. That's why there's so many videos. That's the true yeah. test. When people are putting multiple videos up of the plane flying, it means that that grabbed a lot of attention. Yeah, we always thought it'd be fun to carpet bomb the strip with like, you know, drop the equivalent <laughs> amount of bombs at the B-36 drop, but we've yeah. never got around to building the bomb release mechanism for it. Ah, uh, that'd be good. No, we'll have to get around to doing that one day. Dave Shivers could help you with that. He's dropping water out of his uh, yeah. out of his planes. Yeah, and he's talking about dropping things out of the back of his new caribou that he's building. So oh, That is true. Did you cut that kit? No, I didn't cut that one, but I've redesigned all these cows and engine nacelles to make them more scale. Oh, okay. Good idea. So the original plans didn't fit his big radials that he's got in there. Um, it sounds like you're a busy, busy man. It's like yeah. nonstop. Yeah. So that's where I spend my Saturdays. Instead of going flying, I spend it on the computer designing people's dream planes for them. 
Well, you're doing a good job. And as I said, we need people like you because um, I sure as hell am not going to make the effort and I'd probably botch it up anyway if I tried to. But um, I'll give you a plug, hulkrc.com.au. Uh, go and take a look. Laser short kits, um, electric motors, ESCs, some radio gear there, a bunch of accessories, permagrit tools. What a yeah. bunch of tools. Like, yeah. Really so serious. we're the Aussie agent for them out here as well as Duragrit tools as well. Yeah. You've got to have these kind of tools. If you're a serious builder, you can't go past any of these, the permagrits and the Dura. What is it? Dura? Duragrit. Duragrit. Yeah. yeah. So the permagrit's more for the sanding side of stuff, like the sanding bars and all that sort of stuff. And duragrit mostly focus on the cutting wheels, shaping wheels, all that sort of stuff. Yeah, but they look like top quality kind of stuff. Yeah, yeah. So all made of tungsten carbide. So basically if you're cutting wood, they basically never wear out. So it takes a very, very, very long time to wear anything out. Yeah. That's good. So that's it. Hulkrc.com.au. Kevin Chislett, it's been a pleasure. No doubt our paths will cross for many years to come. We'll be out at the field sitting around the fire, burning Absolutely. your Starfighter. And, um, yeah, Carolina <laughs> Customs, put me down for one if you can get the uh, – get, get well, we'll, we'll, we'll convert you into a scratch builder yet, hey? Oh, it's in me. It's just not in me at the moment. <laughs> but it is in me because I've got to – you know what it is? There's a lot of people say, oh, well, you just got to make the effort. Okay. Making the effort means I've got to sacrifice something else. So I've got to stop exercising. I've got to stop talking to my family. I've got to stop flying because I don't have time for that. I've got to maybe buy a bigger house so I can build it. Uh, I'll have to make less money because I work for myself. And, uh, you know, when you work for yourself, basically your revenue sometimes is tied up to how much effort you make. So I've got to make less money. So it's really, uh, there's a lot of sacrifices that I need to make to try to go and build something at the moment, which I'm not willing to make, but I will. That is why I put my name one down for this. I need a super chipmunk. And do you know what the party's going to be like once that super chipmunk is built? Because I'll, I'll, like, I'll do this podcast for another 30 years, maybe. Yeah. It depends, right? But, but say so over another 30 years, people are going to be going like, hurry up. There's going to be like a party of people coming to help me build this super chipmunk just to shut me up. So, we should uh, get like a heap of people to build all super chipmunks. Yeah. A super chipmunk flying. That's it. Well, but do you know what it is? It, this... Super chipmunk idea. It's like a decathlon. The two models of the of of my youth that when I and this thing before I even owned a model plane that I used to read Airborne magazine or whatever was the decathlon and the super chipmunk. And all I could yeah. ever think of because back then you didn't have ARFs. All I could think of was no. how could I build that? Like I would never yeah. be able to cover it properly. <laughs> uh, and then you grow up and you go, well, you probably could actually. It's just going to take time. A bit of yeah, practice. I love covering. Do you? Yeah, I haven't it. done it enough, but I, it is one of those rewarding things when you, when you finish it. But um, maybe you can help me with a super chipmunk. But um, I like what Ali Machinchi did with um, one of his jets, um, uh, Havoc or something like that, where he yep. actually did in the super chipmunk scheme. And actually, I spoke to Chris Incident at, um, uh, from Extreme Flight when I saw him and said, uh, you need to build a super chipmunk. Yeah. And he uh, yeah turned his phone around and, said, and showed me a photo. I went, Yep, you need to build that. And uh, But one of the challenges they have with the actual Super Chipmunk is all the decals and then royalties you'd have to pay all the sponsors yeah. to put in the commercial thing. But they had this idea of, you know, they'll give you a white airframe with, the, you know, the blue and the red and then you yeah. sell you a sticker kit or something like that. You buy a stick, someone will develop a sticker kit that, you know, circumvent anything that they might have to pay. But um, Make your own sticker kit. 
Yeah. See, I'll get all G'd up, but then I'll walk away from the microphone and go, okay, no. now I've got to open up my computer and do some work. <laughs> okay, Kevin, thanks for that. Really appreciate you joining me. Thank you very much for having me. About to leave, already packing. Come with me, I'm not really asking. We'll get away to a place where we don't know. Well, another episode of the Flat Out RC podcast done and dusted. And a big thank you to Kevin Chislett for joining me on the Flat Out RC podcast. And as I mentioned to you prior to the interview, Hulk RC is given, giving Flat Out RC listeners a special discount. Now, Kevin sent me a message and said uh, he's willing to offer a 10% discount on custom wings and Zerily laser kit cut kits. So any custom wings? and uh, the Zerily Laser Cut Kit range, the 10% discount. And all you need to do is use the coupon code on the Hulk RC website, FLATOUTRC10, F-L-A-T-O-U-T-R-C-10, all lowercase, all lowercase, FLATOUTRC10. We'll get you 10% discount off any custom wings or uh, the Zerily laser cut kits. Now, the website, I will just confirm, which I think I know where it is, but I'm just double checking. Hulk RC's email address is Hulk RC, H O L K R C dot com dot AU, H O L K R C dot com dot AU hulkrc.com.au 10% discount thanks Kevin really appreciate it well that brings us to the end so as I said earlier events coming up stay tuned for events uh, have a look on Facebook have a look at your local association um, web pages because often they've got it and hook up with your local clubs as well see what events they're running uh, don't forget to subscribe to everything YouTube Instagram podcast Flat Out RC that is the channels to be connected with I'll be back next week. We have an interesting guest next week, so stay tuned. Very, very interesting guest. Anyway, have a good week.